are back. We are back. Welcome to match point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I'm your host, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP nine tennis on Twitter. And chances are this is your first time listening. That's how you found us. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. Speaking of uh, coming back uh, with me, as always, my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Um, I am the number one tennis talking bro and also new hater of on-court tennis coaching. You should just change that to my tagline from here on out. That'd be cool instead of a tennis talking bro well i didn't put on the show sheet but i actually was going to give you uh a lane to vent about that uh because you you are pretty salty about that randomly um but before we get (laughs) before we get into that uh we are lucky enough to have a guest today and uh not only do we have a guest we have a great one please welcome avery zimmerman from action network you can find him at a zimmerman underscore one on twitter this guy's a tennis writer extraordinaire. Thank you for joining us. Uh, welcome, Avery. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'll I'll try to earn the, the title of tennis talking bro. <laughs> well, number you could. Two. I mean, I don't have a number two, so you could you could earn your your, your stripes here to to get that uh, that illustrious title. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, like I said. And, um, you know, as we get going here, Avery, I would love, you know, if you could tell us more about Action Network and and your approach to tennis and covering it. Uh, You know, this is a fairly new space. uh, And you and I have uh, spoke on the phone about this. um, And just what is it like, um, you know, having, you know, a tennis arm uh, attached to a a gambling, you know, brand like Action right now? Yeah, no, I I came to Action in August of 2021. And I I talked to them about kind of developing out this this tennis vertical, this tennis concept. And I was very optimistic at the time that we'd have a pretty solid readership or that people would be interested because I have friends. Um, a lot of my sports betting friends or sports betting active friends are, are interested in betting tennis, especially when when the slams roll around. So we saw a bit of success at the U.S. Open last year. And then slowly but surely, we, we were able to uh, you know establish a bit more of a presence in, on Google and, and get more reads and stuff like that. And then it kind of exploded at the Australian Open. And, and that was super encouraging and you know, even more at the French and Hopefully we'll see what happens with, with Wimbledon when there's nothing to compete with. And um, sports matters have nowhere else to go. You're stuck with tennis, uh, which is great for us, but maybe not everyone else when hockey and basketball and everything is over. But Action's a, a great place. It's a, it's a phenomenal company. Executives and the leadership are, are super smart. They're super open to new ideas. And so when, when we have this tennis idea coming on, they were super supportive of it. And we've seen some great success. Um, Action's obviously a place that's focused on on the major American sports, uh, there's there's a great soccer presence. And so it's not just limited to you know, football, even though football is going to always account at, at these types of places for a lot of the readership and a lot of the, the business uh, at hand. But you know, we've seen a lot of success with tennis. And I think I think with Wimbledon coming up, that's going to be our best chance with absolutely nothing to compete with. You know, with the U.S. Open, the first week is pretty wide open, but the second week you have college football and stuff like that. So I'm really interested to see what we have with with Wimbledon, especially because there's no international soccer either. There's no World Cup because FIFA is corrupt. So that's in November. 
see what happens here. Well, that's really great to hear, uh, Avery. Part of the reason we started this podcast uh, and even getting more, you know, active on Twitter with tennis is just um, to grow the community. I know that there's a hunger out there, and um, I, I've seen a lot of growth in the, in the year that we've we've been around, um, just in terms of people talking about it, and wanting to engage with it. So it's really great when a you know a fairly bigger brand like action makes it a priority. I think that's going to help everyone on, on Twitter, you know, that wants to talk tennis gambling and maybe, you know, not necessarily bring it out of the shadows, but, um, you know, make, make it a little more normalized. Uh, so when you're saying you have uh, action on a tennis match, you don't seem like someone's degenerate uncle. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's the business side of things. I want to get into personal here and your, your life as a tennis fan, Avery, I mean, in these streets, it's tough for a tennis fan. Do you feel like you you could just stumble into a general conversation about tennis somewhere. Would you have to strike up this conversation? How, <laughs> how, <laughs> how uh, niche is tennis uh, in, in your life? It's a good question. It's a good question. I, I just graduated from college and I played club tennis. I went to Northwestern and played club tennis there. And, and a lot of my friends are tennis fans. So, you know, I, I had a great friend in high school that was also a tennis fan. So I've always been surrounded by a decent tennis community. I don't know how many of those people actually bet on tennis. It probably narrows it down to, to three or four people that I'm actually talking to on a consistent basis. But I think when you go into the sports betting circles, you'll find a lot more people that are betting on tennis than you would think, especially when these slams roll around. We, we love this sport, uh, but I think it's a bit underrated. I think when you have the slams come around, especially the U.S. Open and especially Wimbledon, because there's a lot less to compete with uh, in terms of people's viewership when they're watching sports. I think you'll see that people are super interested, uh, especially, you know, the U.S. It's, it's really the best sporting event in New York. I stand by that. And, and I think a lot of my friends that live in New York would agree. And because of that, I think you'll get that interest really drumming up when, when the slams roll around. Outside of that, who knows? It's going to be tough to find a tennis conversation, a tennis betting conversation outside of that. But when these slams roll around, I think people get super excited. Uh, as much as they will about tennis. And I think especially we'll need someone like Carlos Alcaraz, a real star to come in and, and hopefully dethrone someone at a big event. And once that happens, I think you'll see a lot more people getting interested once again. Yeah, I think uh, Alcaraz could be a, a real tipping point plus the Netflix series. But uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this tennis video game. Um, it's pretty much like a video game. It's like a Dreamcast game from like 2002. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm picturing the Netflix like they think we're getting like the tennis version of the F1 show and it's going to be like surreal life 2005 or something quality. Uh, but no, it's the same company. So it should it should be pretty fine. But I, I'm, I am in agreement about uh, being bullish on tennis uh, as a sport and um i think well really it only has one way to go and that's up so but yeah so you're not you wouldn't um just stumble into a conversation about los, los cabos uh, you know every, <laughs> los every, cabos now quarters. Then, every now and then your you know your uber driver will ask you about your your plays for eastbourne but you never know <laughs> all right well my life as a tennis fan i'm gonna i'm gonna take some time here for myself it's gonna be a, a bit weird I, I i am leaving for italy um on saturday with wimbledon the next day so this is gonna be i'm gonna be you know in a whole nother country I, I gotta find a book out there i don't know what i'm what i'm gonna <laughs> do i was thinking about asking people uh, on twitter any italian follows what to do but it'll be you know actually like in reasonable time <laughs> time zones to watch so i'm excited for that i doubt i'll be as active uh, as i would would have been if i was here but um i actually think too like being over there to seeing if tennis is going to be a little bit more prominent like 
walking by a magazine stand and like Yannick centers, like on a couple covers or like, cause I, he has such a huge contract. I feel like that guy must be like really famous in Italy, like the $150 million. I don't think he's really earning that keep here in the U S so, um, but I, I, you know, walk by a bar, it might actually be on or a cafe or something. So we'll, we'll, we'll see Derek. Uh, how are you feeling heading into Wimbledon? Um, I'm going to be stuck here in the United States, but dude, you got the opportunity to go to Italy during Berrettini season. <laughs> That's and oh, then, that's a good point. I wasn't even putting that together. It's a great yeah, point. Yeah, uh, it's his only season that he thrives in. Dude, he's um, gonna be on like so many boss billboards, probably. Exactly, dude. You're gonna be walking back with all these it's like a handsome ass, man. Like, yeah, he's gonna be like these snug boss shirts that you're gonna be picking up over there, and then you're gonna be walking around the airport and you're gonna be checking in. TSA and they're gonna be like, dude, we don't have to check this guy. This guy's shirt's so tight. Good point. <laughs> it is gonna be very well, Italy doing very all right. Well, I I mean, I don't know why I mentioned in center. This guy stinks. Um, yeah, he sucks on clay. I mean on uh, it should be on top lining with Berrettini. Uh, I'm letting old habits die hard here. Take the wrong year to go to Italy. Last year you had the, the Wimbledon Berrettini final Euro final combo on the same day. Yeah. That's a that's good true. point. That's a good point. The um they actually they I, have a I, channel I, over there too. Oh, yeah. Like a tennis channel. It's called uh, Super Tennis. I don't know why it's called Super Tennis because the word super is English, but you get the point. So, uh, yeah, they do have a big presence over there, though. Well, we will see. All right. Well, um, let's get to why people are actually tuning in, and that's uh, predictions, picks, info, insight, actionable information on these tennis ma- on these tennis matches. To that, we will move to a couple of tournaments happening this week. Uh, we've got the ATP Eastbourne in England. The big headline here, it's got to be the big-time play of Jack Draper. Uh, he torched Brooksby. I mean, I mean, he torched that guy. That was a beatdown. I, I thought Brooksby actually was playing pretty well. He was trying. I know he was trying. He was putting an effort, but it did not matter. Uh, then he added another loss to Schwartzman's grass record today. Torch <laughs> battled through, though. I, I mean, he made it tough. People were sweating. People yeah, had for sure. People had they laid the games to two, two and a half games. And uh, Schwartz gets that tie break. Uh, whew. Gonna get getting even sweatier. So, uh, but he pulled through. Just, I mean, incredible movement on that. Opened up like minus one fifty nine, closed around minus two hundred. <sighs> Steamed up favorite, winning in straights. We hate to see it, to be honest. I hate that. There's nothing grosser. But I like Draper, so it's fun to it's fun to watch him play. I'm glad to see him move on instead of just Schwartzman going out there and doing a Schwartzman thing in the next match. He takes on the winner of Martinez and Peniston next. Uh, their match got delayed. Um, Peniston actually beat Draper recently on grass at a challenger during this grass season. So, but I, I mean, road seems set up for him to play the winner of Nori versus Cressy. Uh, any Draper thoughts, uh, Avery, I'll, I'll kick it off with you as, as the guest. Yeah. I mean, the guy's pretty lethal on grass if he's playing well. I think we saw some ups and downs in that sportsman match. I think at about, you know, deep in the second and five, five, he starts shanking balls and really overhitting. So that's the problem that, that can arise, but I mean, he's, he's, he was the only guy outside of Berrettini that took a set off Djokovic last year at Wimbledon. He's he's got the power. He has all the tools to be pretty freaking good on on grass, and he's done it on some different surfaces too. Miami slow as it gets, and he did pretty well. He, he, clay, he got a win in Madrid that was pretty pretty impressive over Sonigo, if I'm not mistaken. So, he's a pretty versatile player. This is this is his best surface. I think it's going to be tough to beat him if he's hitting the ball well. We'll see what happens. I. I also think I get concerned with these types of players because if they're not kind of hitting the ball well, you saw what happened in Schwartzman. Schwartzman's really consistent. He had him three break points. He uh, tied. He had the mini break in the set. 
in the tiebreaker. A couple of things go differently. We're, we're saying something different about Draper maybe, but it's a great competitor, great player. I'm interested to see what happens at Wimbledon. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Like, it really depends on how he's hitting the ball because, I mean, he's a kind of an aggressive player, and he strikes the ball pretty dang hard, and you kind of just get uneasy to, to see, like, if the consistency is going to be there. And then you can like even see that in the second set, like after he broke Diego and he was serving for the match, it's like he kind of just was spraying balls after that, hitting some double faults and stuff too. So um, yeah, the good gameplay comes with just consistency and it's just kind of hard to stay consistent, especially if you're that aggressive like uh, Draper. He's not fully aggressive. It's not like Anna Samova or something like that, but he, uh, he does take some chances though. So yeah, just don't expect the same Draper all the time but i do like watching him play just because he just likes to smack the ball though yeah he um yeah the guy has some power uh now do we feel like he's gonna be okay so let's say he i mean he's obviously gonna be a pretty big favorite versus peniston if he gets through i mean i think he will get through that guy let's, we're gonna we're gonna move him on um <laughs> <laughs> uh I, he might be a favorite versus both nori and he's definitely gonna be a favorite versus cressy uh would you find value if nori ends up on the dog side there versus draper i i, I mean even if it's a slight favorite what do you think about a nori potential nori draper matchup down the line peniston's still got some work against martinez I, i'm interested to see what happens there Martinez is playing pretty well i think there are two three in the in the third so i don't think that one's necessarily over but i do see draper as a favorite against nori it's probably hard to play because nori has the game where if he's hitting the ball well and if he's keeping balls in play, he's going to make life really difficult for Draper. So I'd probably stay away from that one. Cressy's a really interesting case. I'd probably like Cressy as a dog against against Draper because if he's serving well, it's going to be really tough to beat, uh, especially for a guy that's pretty low margin like Draper. Yeah, it's like I'd have a t- tough time even trying to take that bet even against uh, Nori or Cressy. I mean, I-, I don't even want to pick between those two, to be honest. Like, I would just look somewhere else on that day. Yeah, I kind of like Cressy in the dog spot here against Nori ahead of uh, of Wimbledon. Maybe he's got an eye on next week a little bit. Cressy, I mean, the guy's had zero form for a while. uh, But when he has it, I mean, the guy's pretty dangerous and a tough out. uh, And especially at the price you're probably going to get him at. I mean, it's likely a tiebreak is in play. Maybe he gets the first set. Then, you know, things change quite a bit at that point. Um, But, uh, yeah, a few different uh, ways for this top half to play out um let's look at the bottom half real quick we got bublik fritz and then we have dimonor and tommy paul off a win against center i played center i don't, I don't want to talk about it but uh <laughs> still no main grass draw win for center um adm the returning champ uh he's got that feather in his cap in the in the final four in the, the bottom half of this bracket here i mean this is kind of wide open i I mean, I, I was playing out the combinations, and if you listen to this podcast, uh, you know I'm a Taylor Fritz guy. <laughs> I honestly feel like decent opportunity for Fritz to squeak out a grass title at some decent odds, but there's a lot of comments. I mean, this is, I feel, a pretty wide open uh, final four in this bottom half of this bracket. Uh, Avery, what do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably back Demon as a favorite. I've been really surprised at how well Tommy's been, been playing on grass, to be completely honest. I didn't really think it would translate uh, as well as it has it, Gil Gross made a really interesting point, Monday match analysis, which was that we haven't seen a lot of these guys in two years on grass, or we've maybe never seen them. 
these are a lot of these guys. Tommy is someone that we haven't seen a lot of on grass, and I think he's really adjusted well. He'll give Demon a nice run. They played some awesome matches already. I'd still back Demon, but but Bublik, a bit too inconsistent for me to ever back to win a tournament. Fritz is an interesting case because he hits so big, and he's, his game is so well suited for grass if he's, if he's hitting well, but he's been really inconsistent recently as well. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the defending champ. Derek, what do you think? I like Tommy Paul, kind of. Kind of. I'm, I'm going to be very loose on that. But, yeah, I would kind of just go with Tommy Paul. Fritz? Have you ever said that before? I I, I like Tommy Paul. <laughs> I feel like uh, it's the first time that's come out of your mouth before. I, I kind of talk shit on Tommy Paul, but I do like him. I think he's, like, a solid player, and I think bookies actually just don't know how to price the guy, too. And I feel that. Yeah, like, they have a hard time just pricing any American especially like Fritz and Tiafo. Well, we all have a difficulty judging where Tiafo is going to land anyway. And then Fritz's recent play. Ugh, I don't know. I don't really know about that. And we haven't even mentioned Bublik for obvious reasons. So we're just going to throw him out of the running. So yeah, I think it's between Demon and Tommy. I just go with Tommy Paul, even though I know Demon's better. All right. So I mean, con- you know, conventional wisdom might be like ADM per, you know, probably if this was, we were looking at the percentage breakdown has the edge to squeak this out. Uh, I also want to offer a personal apology to Booplick from last week where we said he hadn't done anything of note besides drink champagne before UTS matches, but that's not true. He did win Montpellier earlier this year. So sorry about that. Booplick. That was that, our, our bad for forgetting that Yeah, win about f- four or five months ago. He was sending me a bunch of DMs about how pissed off he was, and he told me that he, we better apologize. <laughs> well, you know. I did. I felt bad. I was like, listening back. I was like, wait, he did win a title. Whoops. Whoops on that one. All right. Well, do we feel like Draper? You know, combo, let's say it's uh, Nori Draper versus ADM. We like an ADM between either of those guys? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I think somebody from the bottom half would take this. Yeah, I... I mean, there's not really too, anything that I'm too in love with, to be completely honest. Probably not the purpose of this podcast, but, but I'll, I'll no, go but I know it is. I mean, maybe that's a good point. Maybe save the bankroll. Fucking fuck this tournament. We got Wimbledon like in like three sleeps. I mean, and this is no one's really that safe footing here on out. So maybe avoid, uh, you know, avoid a potential bad loss or chasing, or even maybe you get caught up. You know, you're you're trying to recover from your pre-serve bet and you're slamming something live to get it back. Suddenly, yeah, like- uh, you're, you're not looking good. Uh, ahead of uh, round one for Wimby. So, uh, I mean, I, you know, if you feel like you have a good read on the match, definitely make a play. But uh, I, I, you know, maybe this is kind of a stay away the rest of the way. Yeah, this is tough to make a read on this because it's like this guy that I know, he obviously doesn't watch tennis because everybody I know doesn't watch tennis. But he was like asking me for a tennis play yesterday. And then I did give him um, Draper minus two and a half. And then he ended up taking it. And then he said he was like super gracious because he was like a thousand bucks down betting WNBA <laughs> this week. And I was like, what are you talking? Like, you're such a degenerate. He's like, yeah, I threw a grand on it, dude. Thanks a lot for the pick. And then he's asking me for later picks. And I'm like looking at this draw and I'm like, honestly, dude, I don't have a good feel for this uh, tournament. But uh, yeah, hit me up for Wimbledon. <laughs> so um, I expect that guy just to get hosed on like the Phoenix Mercury for the rest of the week or something like that. It was that, uh, what was that? The Sky game where they came back from 28. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me busting uh, out my WNBA knowledge. <laughs> Boom. Chicago Sky, reigning champions, right? <laughs> 
all right, Avery, do you feel like we've said it all on uh, eSport, or should we uh, – you got any last thoughts? I never think you should look too much necessarily or, or overanalyze the, the 250s in a week before a slam. Weird stuff happens, so I, I think we're good. And uh, Grass, we've seen a lot of surprises so far in general. We're going to transition to the Mallorca draw. Here we go again. This is not a surprise because here we go again, literally a repeat of last week where we have Medvedev and RBA uh, against each other, and the winner of that is probably going to go on to the final on that side of the bracket because they're going to play either the winner of Greek Spore, who Derek has thoughts about. <laughs> what about uh, yeah. Derek? Okay, Avery, listen to this. Derek literally says the guy is farts <laughs> on the last podcast. Then, then this guy's like, I think this Greek Spore minus three is the safest play the other day. Like, you literally just trashed this guy. Why are you buying into him as the best bet on the board? It made no sense to me. Okay, he still is farts. I was betting against like shits like there's farts versus shits and shits is uh who i call felly lopez because that guy's just <laughs> i didn't realize your sophisticated just, evaluations yeah stuff. there's somebody that's going to be turds at one point I, I don't know who that is it might be this belly air guy that i don't even know who he is i was trying to figure out how to say his name maybe that's avery it. knows uh belly belly air. Air. that's what i would think yeah belly see that's what i was thinking i was like is it it's pronounced like he's French, but he's Swiss too. So I was like, Fedota, but Bellier, I don't really All know. All right. Well, it's- anyway, yeah, Greek sport screwed me over. I thought he was actually going to cover three games, but homeboy couldn't even get a break. He won a match without even getting a break. Like, that's no fun. So, all right. Yeah, he still farts in my book, so <laughs> nothing's changed on that front. Well, uh, he's going to play uh, the aforementioned Bellier, who cashed as a plus 400 dog. You'd love to see it uh, against Busta. This guy, um, I didn't know much about him going into this week, doing the Twitter dive, uh, serving volley guy, serving him well this week, um, no pun intended. But Busta also famously lost to a serving volley guy, Cressy, last year at the USO. So a, a pretty big weakness in his game, obviously, or maybe, you know, sh- small sample size, but uh, that seemed to be, it seems to be an effective strategy against Busta. Uh, I played plus one and a half in the first set because I thought it might go to tie break with the serving volley style, but uh, you know, cashed outright as a dog, which good for those people. He's got qualified in too. So it was his third match. Busta, not a famously good grass player, but had a couple nice wins last week. Uh, he was coming in, those this was first match. So that might have played a part as well. Avery, do you have any Bellier thoughts? I, I Belly is an interesting player. I remember watching him about a month ago. He was in San Luis Potosi, which is a, a clay court challenger that's played in altitude, and he was just absolutely smashing the ball because it was flying. But this is a little bit different. He's been taking advantage of the grass. I'm not surprised. It's kind of old school serve and volley kind of player. I don't know how sustainable it is per se, especially in today's game, but. If he's going to thrive on any service, it's going to be this one. So it's not too surprising. The bottom half here, well, we have Tsitsipas, but he's about as untrustworthy as it gets on grass. But then it's a who's who of who? <laughs> a lot of a lot of guys, three guys here that most tennis fans or, or most casual uh, sports fans wouldn't know. But uh, tennis heads would uh, Altmaier, Bonzi, and uh, Marcos Giron. Maybe Giron has a few people who could pick him out of a lineup, a longtime American player, but uh, he's got a couple nice dog wins this week. Uh, so, you know, Tsitsipas, the clear, the clear top tier player in the bottom half. Uh, but I would go as far to say similar to Eastbourne. This is uh, anyone's, anyone's draw 
uh, especially in this bottom half, to take. Oh, uh, yeah, I got Bonzi actually has a pretty good grassy low. Oh, we should not. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't even put it on here, but Shapovalov loses uh, outright today um, as uh, minus one. I think he closed around minus 160, one, minus 150. Anyway, seventh straight match that he's lost the first set. Seventh straight match he's lost the first set. Watch this guy make the fucking Wimbledon semifinal now. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Very random, very random. But back to the overall looking ahead, not looking back. Um, I, I guess I have, I didn't even finish this out because I truly, truly don't know what's going to happen. I have Sitsipas beating Garon, but just rolling dogs has been a great strategy all grass season. Just keep rolling Garon. Sitsipas might be looking ahead to Wimbledon, a good good spot to chase the dog there. Bonzi, I think, you know, the more informed grass player versus uh, Altmeyer. But, you know, that guy's, a, he can do stuff too. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Help me help me know what to think, guys. Avery? Zizipa is an interesting case. He actually won Lyon last year, which was the week before the French Open. So I don't ever get too concerned with him necessarily taking a week off or taking a match off. But just on, on grass, he runs super live in that match. Bonzi's looked awesome in recent weeks. I, I'd be pretty surprised if, if Steph won the tournament. But I don't I don't disagree that that rolling rolling dogs and keeping that going is, is is not a bad strategy here. Bonzi's pretty good on grass, obviously. So I'm gonna definitely move him on for Altmaier, which means that he's probably gonna face off against Sitsipas. Uh hesitance in my voice if he beats Giron. But um yeah, I gotta imagine Sitsipas would beat Bonzi and eventually lose to I don't know, RBA or Medvedev. Bon- Bonzi and, and Steph played in, in Hall. It was a really good match. Yeah. yeah. Bonzi almost took him. I, I mean, Steph took a breaker first set. Bonzi smashed him second set. And then and then Steph got the break in the third. But I think Bonzi had at least twice as many as many break points in that match. Be a good one. Yeah. Damn. All right. So, yeah. Maybe take off Bonzi games there then. Because he's definitely going to be the dog there, yeah? Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, do we feel like Medvedev is going to pull the, pull out a title before he takes this extended break here? I mean, I can't believe he's lost back-to-back finals. Pretty, um, I will, I, he's lost to Hercash before, so not as bad. Um, and Hubie, I think, is clearly someone that we need to respect more than we probably do. But losing, obviously, to the local village kid the week before was not a great look as the <laughs> world number one. So how are we feeling about Med pulling out a title? Uh, one for three, assuming he makes it to the final. I don't know. That sounds about right, though, right? Yeah, Tim Ben Rittenhoven. Yeah, that, that was an oddball. And then Burkatz is, he's just pretty good on grass. In general, he's a right? good player. So he's also just a good player on all court surfaces. But, um, so that was reasonable. And then, but if you got Medvedev versus Tsitsipas or Bonzi, ugh, I don't know. I mean, just one for three just sounds right in my head, but... Do you want to just pin him up against one of those two players? I still think that he's probably got the motivation and skill level to beat both those guys. Yeah, let's say it's Med Bonzi. I would assume Med is maybe probably minus four. I think they would do that to him. Maybe he's minus three. At minus three, I might. I mean, I I might. I don't know. I don't know what to think to be honest. I, I, again, this is like so. Yeah. <laughs> you can go with the Avery strategy. Just kind of save your money for. <laughs> this might be a, a stay away if you have to play. I, 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 if you have to play, I would. If Med is minus three or under, I would. I might take a bite. I, I think that Med could 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 be bouncing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if somebody hit me up and told me that they were a thousand bucks down betting WNBA and they had to make a bet, I would say 
take med minus three games. Theoretically, known to be more motivated, right? <laughs> exactly. You got an extended break. Like he has to win. There's this is this is meds Wimbledon, my own. Exactly. Well, that is a good pivot point to we're going to put this week behind us and we're going to look ahead to Wimbledon. Uh, I, I, you know, not only am I excited to have Avery on as a guest, uh, I, I was off work this week. I had time to prepare. I did research. I put together a real show sheet. Uh, I mean, this is, I got facts and this is hand, hand researched, hand, hand built research right here. Uh, I dug in with, with my own hands, uh, to get this stuff, uh, and I feel like we're gonna are gonna have a pretty good conversation here about Wimbledon. Uh, obviously, the draw has not come out yet, but I framed it to be a little bit more informed when the draw comes out, uh, so you're not scrambling around like, oh, what should I look for? What should I, you know, what, what angles do I need? You'll you'll have that uh, knowledge uh, are already with you if you listen to this before it comes out, and obviously with the Russian players not playing and points not counting. It's going to make things uh, a little bit different, but I, I mean, with Djokovic and Nadal playing, I feel like I, I feel like the play itself will still still be still be fine. I don't think we need to worry about the the points really factoring in. I, I think what it opens this up more is uh, to the quarterfinals, maybe no Mad, no Rublev, no Hatchinoff. These are guys that uh, would have won matches that now guys can avoid. All right, Wimbledon preview, exciting. Let's start big macroly here. The big question, will anyone beat Djokovic or Nadal for the title? What do we think? So Novak and Nadal are on opposite sides because they're ranked uh, or one and two for the draw. So yeah, so the, we're not. someone's not going to have to run the gauntlet through both of them. But I mean, there's still other names such as like Carlos and uh Berrettini and stuff like that that's going to fall on one side and both those guys can be on the same side too which would leave possibly two of those dudes and either Novak or Rafa but then like if you're going to actually play a futures bet you're still betting on basically if that person can run the gauntlet and then beat Novak or Nadal I personally wouldn't bet uh, on a futures on anyone besides those two guys just because I don't think anyone could really beat them. That's my personal life, uh, opinion. But what do you think, Avery? Sa- save your money. What do you think, Gabriel? Djokovic is so much better than everyone on grass. He, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. At Hurling in this exhibition event today, he beat Eliasim 2-1. It was unbelievable. Uh, Rafa was unbelievable today in the same as the event. He played Stan, so it's not as impressive. But he was just crushing the ball. Um, which I guess should be no surprise, but I definitely didn't think he was playing Wimbledon at minus 130 or, or what Novak's, whatever he's at right now. I wouldn't play it, but Berrettini looked really good at, at, at 10, 11 to one earlier. He's down to what, five or six to one now. So it's, yeah. it's tough to say, is he really going to beat Joko? Probably not. And even at that point, you could probably get him at plus 250 or something like that when he actually plays Joko. So is the future worth it? Probably not. But maybe like a quarter, like you talked about earlier, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that more, but, but the quarter bets may be far more appealing than, than getting someone to be Joko or, or, or even Rafa. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, you set it up for me. The, what I got here is uh, I, I think smarter to look at the quarters. Uh, I'm in agreement. I, I think that uh, save your money from the futures, unless it's look, pizza money on like her cash, who probably has decent long odds because the market hates him. That, that would be what I would do. That would be my future. Cause he probably has like double digit 
odds at this point still. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not after the grass win last week. But yeah, smarter to look at the quarter uh, future runs. Uh, and I would say look a good place to take bonds on these quarterfinals. And gentlemen, I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm going to run down a list here of the projected top seeds, not the projected, the top seeds. And I'm going to give you their finishes at this tournament. Uh, okay. Berrettini, he made the final. Alcaraz has only made round two. All right. Last year, that was, you know, until he's only played it twice. So not a big sample size, but uh, I think that, you know, something to take note of uh, if, if he does make the quarterfinals, it'll be his first one. You know, Sitsipas has only made it to round four. Hubie made semifinals last year. Again, I'm turning into a Hubie guy, I think. FAA made the quarterfinals. Chilich made, has made the finals. Okay, so then we have a hot name everyone likes, right? Nick Kyrgios. Um, he's playing great. A lot of people are looking to bet him for, for Wimbledon, and I, I don't know why. Uh, he, he made the quarterfinals once in 2014. Okay, that was a long time ago. I think he's probably pretty live to make the quarterfinals again, but at the same time, that does surprise me and we're going to get into uh, a little speed conversation after this but um i think curios is a, a curious one you think he might be better at wimbledon than he's actually showed in the past um derek you're a you're a nick guy what do you what do you think of nick going into wimbledon <laughs> i'm a nick guy what do i think he's been playing very well um he's been tooting his own horn that he's a top five grass player so is that reliable information? Not really. I mean, is he going to win? He, I think he even knows that he's not going to win. He doesn't have the fitness to do it. Um, he doesn't have the maybe mental capacity to do that sort of thing either. But make it to the quarters, if we're looking at that, that's a possibility. I'd say that's, I don't know, obviously it depends on where he, he ends up in the draw. But if I were to look at it now, I'd say if it's like a 10 to 1, maybe 8 to 1, futures bet for him to reach the quarters i'd say take that but other than that i wouldn't look beyond anything yeah and avery for you what, what's a good value on on curios for a quarterfinal bet yeah i think i think derek's right what what i would actually want to take on curios probably some somewhere north of five to one depends on the draw obviously but i don't think we're going to get that unfortunately i think he's he's fourth favorite or fifth favorite right now somewhere between 10 and 15 so yeah. It's yeah, it's brutal, right? How are you going to take Nick to, to to hold up physically? But I, I actually take his word. I, I actually do think he's he's probably top five or at worst top ten on grass. He just doesn't have the fitness necessarily to sustain it, or even the focus where he's just so prone to to getting upset or, or hurt. So we'll see. He's a great player. I'd probably take him in a, in a single match if he's a dog against against someone. But it's not many players on the board that he's actually going to be a dog against. All right. Well, we have David Goffin, actually a uh, quarterfinalist in 2019, which actually kind of surprised me. So here's a guy who actually had a pretty good clay season after dumping for a while. He had a little bit of a resurgence here. Um, such a wide field, uh, a name that kind of could that could get lost uh, in the mix here, you know, has had some success here in the past, uh, you know, three years ago is a long time, but at the same time, he has uh, shown some form. Fritz, round three, 2021. So, I mean, you know, our Indian Wells champ, maybe not the, the best quarterfinalist bet, uh, but maybe, you know, see how we've, he's been hurt too. So I, I think that uh, when Draper fucked him up, the guy didn't really look very fit to me, but we'll see. Opelka, you know, this is supposed to be we'll get again we'll get in the speed conversation but uh you know big servers have had success in the past but this guy's only made round three 
uh, before he had, uh, I think he lost in the first round last year. And then, yeah, he made the round three in 2019. Monfils, round four, never a quarter. I mean, this, these are going to be some of the top guys. I, looking down the list here, we got Dimitrov in the semifinal in 2014, so a long time ago. Shapovalov in the semis last year. Isner made the semifinals in 2018. But besides that, I mean, the quarter, you know, there's not a lot of quarterfinalists here that are in, amongst these top end seeds. Um, Hubie, obviously, like I said, um, looking pretty good amongst the, the, the pack here. But um, maybe look at some some deeper bombs uh, for, for the quarterfinals because someone could have come up and surprise. And I, I'm going to say this and run away, but, um, you know, we're going to get in the speed conversation after, right after this. But if, if this does prove to be a slower Wimbledon, why can't Kekmanovic or Keshmanovic come out of nowhere and do something? And he's a guy I typically fade, and I hate saying that, but he's not had great success on grass but if it's like they're calling these like closer to clay maybe you know the, the medium speed you know probably have pretty good odds but you know i say that name as a you know as someone who we've seen have success this year and probably has decent long odds um to back i don't know what uh, people think about uh Kezmanovic, but i'll go around the horn here about some potential bombs to look out for uh Avery, what do you think? I'll I'll warn you off Kekmanovic because the one thing I'll say about about the speed is even though it's a bit slower maybe than than it used to be, it's still not gritty. So he hits huge topspin forehand. That's his big weapon. Pretty useful in Miami Indian Wells on clay too. But on a service like this, he's not going to get much much action on that on that forehand. So maybe that's why he's he he finds those poor results on grass or why he hasn't been as, as strong on grass. Longer bombs. It's, it's so tough because you want to just back the big servers, but it just takes one loss and they're out. You want to take Opelka, but Opelka has been so bad this grass season. Isner, we haven't seen anything of. Chapo's been terrible. What a inspiring Wimbledon prep. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, there is like the whole... <laughs> I mean... You could go uh, sidebar into a macro conversation of uh, everyone stinks, but like four players. <laughs> but, well, I, I mean, we got to see the draw come out and, and see, but a Draper type, uh, we can maybe toss, you know, toss out Kashmanovic, but you know, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, a player like that, a uh, little, maybe a little off the radar, who's has had some success, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Baez is seated this year. That was a note I forgot before he picked up a grass win this week. Could be someone who gets a fit. Maybe he gets a good round one matchup. A top seed goes out. He gets a pretty good round two, round three matchup. Suddenly, you know, this guy's in the quarters. You know, someone like that is what I, is how I'm kind of thinking. As as some of these guys topple, maybe they're tough hurdles topple as well. Um, Derek, any names you could think of to maybe keep an eye out for? I would just to throw some lunch money at something. Um, I'd probably throw it at just Dimitrov quarters. Um, not because I have full faith in him, just because he's kind of an unpredictable player. You don't really know what Dimitrov you're going to get. And that guy's got the talent to make it to the quarters. But he also has, uh, I don't know, the space to actually just lose in the first round too. But if you're throwing a little tiny amount at something hoping for some sort of lottery ticket, you can take Dimitrov. And if he gets to the round of 16 or something like that, you can hedge as well too and you'll get decent odds so yeah i'm gonna take him i'm gonna take grigor 
Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, I'm looking here for the the you know the un, unknowns, unproven's, which I think is a good way to play this grass season. We've we've seen a lot of guys come out of nowhere, uh, and I we could see that again here at Wimbledon. But I think that you're, to your point, you know, chasing the guys maybe with some longer odds, but has had success, a little underappreciated, like a Dimitrov, not a bad way to go as well. A couple notes here: Busta is number one at Wimbledon. Karinovich is number one. His run a couple weeks ago was his best grass success ever. Center, a two-time loser at Wimbledon. He's the seed. Bodick, here's a guy. Uh, here's a name to keep an eye on. He made round two last year, but this guy's as hot as it gets on this tour right now in terms of guys I don't want to play. Um, he seems to win a lot, especially if you bet against him. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I, I, I think that, you know, two ways to play it. Look for undervalued guys who have had success in the past there and then look for some bombs and, and chase those grass season surprises, I think, for those quarterfinals. All right, guys. Well, I've mentioned this conversation. I want to get into it. Is Wimbledon fast or slow? I got it here on the show sheet. It is the fa- Novak Djokovic in 2001 said it is the fastest surface that we have in the sport. Now, cut to 2019. Everyone starts complaining including um, a little guy named Roger Federer about the speed of the court. Uh, Kudla, a grass specialist, he was pretty vocal about it in 2019 as well. Uh, Kyrgios, who complains about everything, of course, he made his thoughts known after Wimbledon last year, round one. They've made it so slow, this isn't grass anymore. I actually kind of remember watching that live. He was like, it's not It's not even grass. It's not even grass. <laughs> so slow. Um, people complain uh, the grass is beat up. Um, from day one and the court speed gets even, you know, just progressively slower and duller as, uh, as it goes on here in the nineties, it was the serve and volley guys, the quick points. Now a lot of top spin defense and baseline consistency seems to be, uh, you know, a successful blueprint here as well. It's hundred percent rye grass. We're getting down to the nitty gritty of this guys. We're going down the grass. All right. hundred percent rye grass. I don't know why they say this. It's the same grass. So I was trying to really figure out why the last two years it is does seem much slower because it's the same grass as it was in 2011. So I don't know, Avery, if you have any insights on this conversation or any any thoughts on the the slow versus fast Wimbledon. Do you have any uh, botany experience? With yeah. What, what kind of what kind of grass? What kind of, what kind of, what kind of grass botany credentials or what? I wish I could. I, I wish I could say it's it's an interesting one. I don't. You know, I, I I hesitate to say I don't know if the stats back up necessarily as infamous of a of a speed changes as, as I think necessarily. It's as much as everyone's getting better from the baseline, everyone's getting stronger, returning's getting better. So I, I I think that complaint those are all big servers. Kudla, you mentioned that's actually less of a big server, but a good probably bomb to, to watch out for on that previous conversation. But I think it's more of a people are getting frustrated with with not being able to get away with just serving as much as anything even even Rogers a guy that relies on his serve so much that when it's not as effective maybe he's going to he's going to be a little bit more dramatic about it but maybe I'm also wrong and, and it's just a completely different style of grass they're not telling you about yeah, well, I was trying to get a read based off the qualifying, um, which there's a couple, you know, Kozlov beat Stricker. Stricker was pretty money uh, on these fast grass courts. Um, you know, he wasn't exactly taking down tournaments, but, um, you know, he's competing against some top-level talent in that first grass uh, tournament uh, right after the French Open. He goes down to Kozlov. Um, Olivo um, crushed a lot of 
parlays with uh, Rodionov or however you say his name today. Um, this guy's never played on grass. He he's he's one win away from from Wimbledon. And then, but at the same time, I mean, the qualifying is a lot of clay guys. <laughs> so it's tough to get a real read on that when, you know, is 60 to 70% of the guys are all clay specialists. Um, so there's not a, not a ton of, of, of grass guys to, to, to heed, you know, the, some, you know, any takeaways there, but at the same time, I do think that uh, with back-to-back years of complaining, maybe they did do something that we will, maybe they will, try to do something to make it a little bit quicker i i mean i can't maybe the, just in terms of the prep you know people are complaining about you know it's worn down from day one maybe it'll you know the service will be a little bit stronger um this time around than in previous years uh so it, it's an interesting question i have here this is the speed index that they showed on tennis Channel last year uh during the tournament wimbledon is the second fastest court on the speed index just ahead of us open and then roland garros is like trailing way behind so, I mean, the idea that this is slower than Roland Garros seems a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I know a lot of people, they'll go uh, that far and they'll make that comparison. But uh, I, I think that that's, I don't think that that's correct. But um, I, I do think that you're going to want to watch early on, see what the conditions are. Because it is weird to go from, you know, 2011 fastest surface in the world to back-to-back years of people complaining about how slow it is with no real significant changes that you can point to other than people getting better. So Derek, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Yeah. It's just like, it's hard to determine at this point. And even if you're looking at qualifiers, they're not necessarily playing on center court now. Right. Like, I think they're just playing on the no, outside they're not, courts they're not too. Even, they're not even on the outside courts. They're a different facility. Oh, wow. Oh, are okay. They? Okay. So then, yeah, you obviously don't base it on the uh, qualifying events, but if you want some sort of insight Honestly, just listen to Kyrgios after the first match. He's going to be pretty damn vocal about it. It's going to be pretty hard for me to believe that he doesn't say any comments about the court speed. Um, it, maybe if he doesn't, then that means he actually likes it. So, And that will be up to his standards, which means it's probably not as fast as he was complaining about last year. I mean, you might not even have to wait until after the match. could be like the first couple points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks right to camera. Yeah, he's gonna be asking for the tournament director to be replacing the entire surface in the middle of the first set. And then you know, obviously with the speed, you know, it leans to the server, which leads to hold. So in terms of hold percentage, uh, I couldn't find twenty twenty one. I, I, I tennis inf- maybe I just don't know where to look. But uh, but in twenty nineteen, up until the finals, uh, people, you know, the players had an eighty two percent, eighty two point two percent hold percentage 2013 it was at 83.7 so you know they're saying this is a slow 2019 was the start of the the slow trend uh it's not that far off trend in terms of hold percentage certainly i would think a little bit more stable than roland garros which uh, is a break fest to that end uh, i didn't have it on the show sheet but i thought about this i wanted to talk about in terms of this holding you know the games were horrible way the games total was a horrible way to play roland garros um, but you actually might be able to burn some books if you have these 36, 37 games totals. Um, Cause it, it's, I think it's going to be the opposite way where instead of these like six, three, six, one, six, two um, sets, one through three, you're going to get seven, five, seven, six. Uh, we've seen a lot of tie breaks so far this grass season. So it, it might be the opposite of, 
of Roland Garros for the games totals. We might get our money back on, on that one. To that end, uh, and we're talking about the courts, um, something I always like to um, look at, uh, and it's especially uh, valuable in Roland Garros with the uh, Strachier and... He's um, long one. Yeah, the, and the speed differences, the subtle speed differences there. So we have center court here at Wimbledon. That's about 15,000 people with a retractable roof. The roof, I think, does uh, certainly affect the conditions and how the ball is going to be bouncing. So make sure you know if the roof is on or off uh, when, when we're betting on that match. Um, court one also has a, a roof. Um, about 12,000 people can fit in there. So, you know, if we have these players that feed off, off the crowd, you're going to have uh, you know, a full Wimbledon this year. It's not a limited capacity situation. You know, some of these guys get pretty jacked up. Uh, they, they were doing the wave at Roland Garros. You know, I feel uh, they're not going to get as rowdy as Roland Garros, but uh, I do feel like there's going to be some energy hopping around these grounds. Court two, uh, known as the Graveyard of Champions. So maybe look for a dog. Uh, you know, this is a, a court that typically has been profitable to the underdog. About 4,000 spectators in this thing. So, you know, keep that in mind. Court three, um, also known for, you know, a court where anything can happen. And then 12 and 18 are the other show courts here. And then 14 through 17 and 19 are your outdoor daytime. So, you know, if you're on one of those courts uh, and it's hot, uh, that, you know, the conditions could come in to to play there. Um, Guys could melt in the sun. Um, I don't know if you guys have any uh, insights. Uh, This is all stuff I kind of (laughs) did some research to, um, I I think, inform myself and, I think, um, you know, help other people out there, you know, don't don't really know this stuff off the top of their head, but I don't know if anyone has anything about these courts, any memories or matches they remember from any specific Wimbledon courts or just any thoughts on this in general. I think you got to say you remember Isner Mahout. That's that's the famous thing. You'll never forget that court. I I think the one interesting note is that I think we saw in Australia, there were a couple of courts, a couple of show courts. I think I want to say it was called Kia Arena. Where 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 Kyrgios and Kokonakis were playing a ton and getting a ton of crowd support and it was getting super rowdy and you weren't seeing that as much on on some other show courts. So if we kind of see a trend like that, it could be interesting to see to, to get behind a couple of Brits. I always like backing British players because they have the most access to grass courts and they're the most used to it. So let's it's if we can get some Brits on on show courts that are that are particularly rowdy, I'll I'll get even more interested. Yeah, I mean if we get Draper on some show courts. Um against uh, someone he actually has a dog against that's gonna be a nice uh, nice play yeah, no kidding yeah if we end up getting draper against uh dimitrov then my uh quarter bet for dimitrov's gonna be fucking toast <laughs> <laughs> dimitrov draper he uh i believe uh laheshka took a set off him uh at the ao out of nowhere my my, my baby boy laheshka all right, guys. Well, um, let's keep it moving here and, you know, round of the finish here with some, you know, we got round one just around the corner, a couple days away. We don't have the draw yet, but I have some, I did this with the French Open and I, I thought these all played out pretty well and aligned this year with what I had for that. So I want to look at some round one trends, four set matches. Okay. This is in the, in the first round, the over was in play. And as I mentioned before, the game's totals, uh, I think will be um, a little uh, less cruel than the Roland Garros. Uh, so in, in 2021, we had 36 uh, of the opening 64 matches uh, go four sets or more. 2019, obviously skipping 2020, there was no Wimbledon 2020. There was 29. 2018, there was 33. 2017, there was 31. 2016, there was 32. So a, a decent five-year sample size of uh, almost half these matches um, going four sets or more. So some of these big servers, guys, we've seen play a lot of tie breaks so far. 
they're going to have those jacked up, but you know, I think uh, the, the overs are definitely going to be in play here. Avery, what do you, any, any takeaways? Yeah, I, I'd say that's one of those where I would lean more. It's kind of coincidental, I think more than like a trend per se, but I think the, the better note that you made, or they're, they're both good notes, but the better note that you made earlier was, was on those totals where if they're not adjusting totals as well, I think you'd probably take advantage of that quite a bit. This it's, it's a little bit tougher, but I think Generally, game totals you'll be able to get a hold of, especially with players that are weaker returners, kind of exposing each other a bit a bit on return. So I, I like that a bit more. Yeah, I'm with Avery on that. I mean, this is a trend, and I think with stats like this, if you're betting the trend, you kind of have to bet on nearly every single match in order to make money on something like this. Um, like when I make bets on – like an over or something like that. Like I'm, I'm still looking at the matchup exclusively. Like I'm not looking at just what the trend was in previous years over across the entire first round. So uh, like, yeah, I still say stay vigilant and look at the matchup rather than looking at uh, historical trends. Are you just poo-pooing my whole segment right now, Derek? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I, I was trying to do it nicely. <laughs> well, well like, this one might okay, not let, be... Let me, let me ask you, like, how do you use this to your advantage? Well, I just find it interesting to know what percentage. Uh, I mean, it seems pretty, you know, obviously maybe there wasn't a, a significant read one way or the other on this, but uh-huh. uh, had, you know, had I, you know, dug this out and 55% or better tipping to the one way, I think that that's a certain, certainly an edge. So maybe the big takeaway here is, um, you know, the, the, the sets is a bit neutral. Um, there is no real um, clear advantage, clear advantage. Okay. Um, this one though, I think is pretty good because uh, I'd have to go back and look, but seated player losses last year was almost twice what normally happened. Well, I guess, so, but last year was 11, 20, 2021 was 11, 2019 was six, 2018 was 10, 2017 was six, 2016, four. So double digits in only two of the last five years, uh, it seems like favorites could have a little bit of an edge here, or if, if you really don't. You know, know which way to um, to, to lean. A, you know, a seated favorite seems to be a, a solid play. And obviously, with the Russian players out, uh, some seeds have moved up. Anything about uh, favorites here, Avery, going into this tournament? Yeah, I think it's actually a, a good note. I think you'll be able to take advantage of of some favorites that are uh, probably weaker on grass. Tsitsipas is a great name to look at. Always, I think, you know, one of the most profitable players to fade, and especially on this surface. Lost Tiafo, who was, I think, five to one last year, first round and three sets. So players like that, the more grass quarter, I'm sorry, more clay court specialists or players that are a lot more comfortable when they have more time or they can use topspin more, um, can really take advantage of that. And, and, and I do think we'll see, we'll see a, a solid amount of upsets just considering how not top heavy the, the field is outside of, outside of Djokovic and then, and then Rafa and Berrettini. Yeah. I'm looking at, uh, center in this one with that strategy of kind of looking at uh, skilled players that don't fundamentally do very well on grass like if center comes out of the gates and just wins and like straight sets maybe the first two rounds the bookies might be convinced that he's a legitimate grass player so you can start fading him at some point hopefully after he has like a, a really good start at the gates yeah, I would lean towards uh, this year being a, a more of a repeat of last year with uh, trending towards double-digit uh, seeded player losses. Uh, 2018 had that as well versus uh, the three other years, which were, I mean, only six or four. 
going down uh, out of 32 is i mean that's kind of amazing um but um check out i mean listen to the, okay so 32 down um we have bias tommy paul brooksby evan sonego kranovich Teklanovich, rune tiafo basilashvili bodic isner and the, the you know 22 32 to 21 i mean any of those guys could lose i feel <laughs> <laughs> The, the draw is obviously gonna, to, you know, who they're who they're facing will play into it. But um, I, I think once we hit those uh, late uh, seeds, to t- twenty and beyond, we're we're getting into some rocky territory uh, if they draw someone uh, with a little bit of skill on grass. Qualifier wins. This one I liked during the French Open, and, and uh, I, I played to uh, relative success. This is actually kind of surprising to me. Um, four. Last year in 2021, qualifiers won, but three of the four were quality on quality, which I thought was, you know, why they stack the qualities against each other like that. Uh, a bit weird. Only five in 2019, 2018, uh, only six, 2017, seven, 2016, five. So, you know, not a ton of quality uh, guys doing well uh, once they hit the, the main draw. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're steaming hot quality pick. Your quality upset might not be as good a, a play uh, as you think. Uh, Avery, what are your thoughts on you know some of these? It's a 128 player draw, so you know, we're we're getting we're getting to some towards the end of that uh, draw is going to be some guys with um, some real beatability. Yeah, no kidding. I, I think it's an interesting point that that the players they, they don't play at Wimbledon in the qualifiers; they play at Roehampton. Uh, so they're not the qualifiers aren't necessarily used to have that advantage of playing on the courts like they would at at the other slams. I think maybe that's why I, I you know we'll see we'll see qualifiers drawing against qualifiers just luck of the draw. But I, I do think that that the you have situations where let's say the the top players aren't necessarily as strong as you may think that range that you were talking about from twenty to thirty two, and then the bottom players aren't necessarily that going to be that capable of pulling off those those big upsets. Derek, uh, I mean, you, I'm sure you um, are studying the qualifying list day in, day out. You know everyone's strengths, weaknesses. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you haven't even looked at qualifying. Yeah, besides the, the losing parley I gave you last night. Um, yeah. Fucking <laughs> unbelievable Levo, first grass match ever. Off. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I haven't been staying up at night uh, studying everyone's forehands and backhands and uh, top spin speeds or anything like that. But um, I, I'm looking forward to calling somebody else farts, I guess. So, <laughs> well, no I one really, sti- I mean, I glanced over it and no one really, sti- you know, when at the French Open qualifiers, you're like, okay, Argentinian clay guy, like young. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, <laughs> all right, now we're talking here, but there's no like, you know, guy that's like, oh, a grass guy, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's unique that way because of how short the grass season and not, not a lot of, not a lot of guys um, with a lot of experience on it, especially in the, I mean, in this draw or in this quality draw. All right, gentlemen. Well, we are rounding to the finish here. Uh, Avery, uh, I want to give you some time to, to plug, promote action again. Talk to us more. Where can they find your stuff? Where can they find action? Make sure people know uh, what to look out for here ahead of Wimbledon because uh, I'm sure they're going to want to check it out. Yeah, follow follow our action at Tennis Account. That's where you'll get, get every article uh, plugged to you. We're going to have double-digit matches in the first at least four rounds and then everything else will be covered beyond there. So it'll be a super, super thorough coverage from our site. I think it'll be the best around. I hope we have some great writers. We're adding more 
uh, and everyone's really, really solid stuff. So we did really well at the French. Uh, everyone did better than me. So that is what matters most. Uh, and at the end, the Australian Open, we do is very solid too. So if you want good analysis, uh, it's a great place to go. I, I really, really believe in, in the work that we're putting out. So if you want Wimbledon analysis, it'll be, it'll be plenty and solid. And you can find you at a Zimmerman underscore one and action network at action network HQ. Derek, um, do you have any final parting thoughts, uh, ahead of Wimbledon here? Uh, I got a regret on this whole Dimitrov thing. I think I might just switch that to Andy Murray. <laughs> oh, we haven't even mentioned Andy, Andy Murray. No. Oh, my God. So Maybe I'll move this up. You guys want to talk some Andy Murray real quick? I, uh, I, I feel like he's probably a decent quarterfinal bet. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to change my uh, pick to after I was just randomly saying Dimitrov. I'm going to actually make a logical uh, bet here and say uh, – yeah, I'll take Andy Murray to the quarter, but I'll still stick with my assessment of, you know, hedging at the round of 16 if he makes it that far. I mean, what? but what, I, here's my thing, though. Okay, so Andy Murray is going to have one electric match that enthralls us all five sets. Oh, yeah, oh for my sure. God. And then he's going to lose to Terry Daniel. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's going to lose like his legs in one match that he just puts his entire heart and soul and every single uh, piece of his metal hip into. So. But I, I do think that, you know, uh, the hope he has some form, maybe he catches a break, although playing Chair Daniel felt like a break, but, you know, and, and play someone uh, that he can get by to just keep it rolling. Uh, Avery, where are you at with uh, Andy Murray? I know me personally, I, I find him um, someone I want to back and then he doesn't do well or someone I want to fade and then he takes my money. So <laughs> yeah, he's a player I'd get behind the air. Uh, the one question is his hip. I know he could be struggling with some remnants of that. You have a metal hip and you're Andy Murray, you're always going to be dealing with that, but maybe some added concern. I, I do think he's probably a pretty solid bet in, in a lot of spots where, where he's somewhere between minus 110 and minus 150, or maybe as a slight underdog because he's so familiar with Wimbledon, uh, so familiar with grass more than, than maybe anyone outside of Novak and Rafa that's that's playing at this tournament. So he's, he's probably a pretty solid play in a lot of situations. I would love to see him do well. Um, I do feel like his tennis IQ is what keeps him in a lot of matches. Uh, and I, I and you can't see that about a lot of players. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, I will be off to Italy here. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited, uh, but I will hopefully be interacting uh, on the on the handle at mp9 tennis uh be doing picks free plays have slowed but uh, they're still getting trotted out there um been a lot, a lot going on and uh, if you want to talk to me about picks though just hop in the dms because i am you know making picks every day so um <laughs> feel free to reach out and talk uh, a lot of tennis ahead if you made it here thank you for listening till next time uh, see you in the court thanks guys